Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Fitness and Philosophy Podcasts. My name is Robbie Gustin, and I'm joined by James Fitzgerald. And today we are discussing folly and fitness. Dun, dun, dun. Finally getting to it. Should have had music to come into that one. Or play in fitness, or absurdity in fitness, or nihilism in fitness, or oh, nationality right. in fitness. There, there were so many different words I thought we could go for here, but That's I right. folly, the alliteration, and the fact that... Did, have you seen Brandon's video that he made just yet? Yeah. yeah. The, the James Against Humanity? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> folly, folly, folly. That's how I saw it, too. <laughs> folly, folly. <laughs> well, I, at least I know who's going to go hunting for those things if I ever get in trouble socially. Well, we actually, we figured out a decent way to, uh, to do it. So whenever we, I upload one of these things to YouTube, it auto, it makes an auto transcription that's timestamped. And then you can just do an Apple find of any text. Gosh. So, you know, James saying Hitler, 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 you know, timestamp it to yeah. go back in the video. <laughs> oh man. Or if, and you're on your you, you're in trouble with North Korea, bro. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, he could string something together like uh, what's so bad about North Korea? Yeah. <laughs> Fitness in North Korea, North Korea, North Korea. We're opening an OPEX affiliate in North Korea. <laughs> well, I think you actually said that a couple of times in different ways. So it, it would sound it would okay. go together quite well. What episode number is this? You know, I was just going back to look at the different folders and, and things like that. This is either 39 or here we go with some alliteration, folly and fitness at 40, perhaps. So yeah, that's great. Uh, that's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to uh, discuss this one. Yeah, so, looks like we're going we're gonna to try to get into some of course, language, not just defining uh, folly, but where it sits under nihilism and absurdity. It looks like you're going to give us a little background too on, you know, where philosophy comes into uh, um, as a great base support to getting to, to seeing if it makes any sense once we dabble into where it fits inside of fitness. Yeah, definitely. So this is part of a larger couplet. So last time we did meaning and fitness. Um, and this time we're going to do absurdity and fitness. And some of the things we'll talk about, like James just mentioned, we're going to talk about the different words and which is the relevant one here. They all mean slightly different things. Some can be more pejorative. Some can be more um, either neutral or positive. Uh, it's relation to philosophy. It's relation to life. Um, talk about some Shakespeare connections, you know, to be or not to be, or a tale told by an idiot signifying nothing like this is the, this is the deeper worry, right. Mm -hmm. About life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what does folly really mean? I, I think one of the things we'll have to contend with is for, for any term that you use. And this actually goes back to a famous uh, discussion within philosophy with regard to God and evil um, to say God is good needs to mean something. It needs to exclude, exclude certain things. You cannot say in one breath, uh, God is good, where we mean by good, um, you know, not telling a father to kill his son, you know, Abraham and Isaac or these other things, 
and then say, well, it's consistent with those things. So to say that something is folly means to suggest there are things that are not folly. And we need to figure out like, what are the demarcations of that? And why would they differ from fitness? Um, if fitness is in fact folly, mm-hmm. uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> and, then, uh, <laughs> and then we're going to talk about fitness and its relation to, uh, to folly. So I guess to start off here, um, let's just talk about different words. So obviously if you've listened to the podcast before, or, you know, really any of your talks, James, about, you know, on the knowledge series or just public talks, uh, folly is a very common word you use in relation to fitness, but there are other terms here that that could be used, and I think words do matter. So, one term here is is play, and uh, the definition being activities that are done especially by children for fun or enjoyment could be done by adults. And here, there's you know no inherent purpose per se, but in a good way. Like you know when we when we talk about play, that's that's one of its benefits, if you will, if we can even say it in that way. Like it's precisely what's what's fun about it is the fact that there's no purpose to it. There's no end. It's just, you know, free floating. Um, on the other hand, when we say something is folly, we're, there, there tends to be, at least in English, and, you know, speakers from different languages would need to enlighten us as to whether this is the case in their language. But in our language, uh, there is a pejorative connotation. So a foolish act or ideas and excessively costly or unprofitable undertaking. So here the idea is there's no purpose and it's just kind of dumb that you're doing it, that, that, that type thing. Um, so an example here would be thinking you can make yourself taller by imagining you are taller, you know? Um, so that, that would be folly, right? Because you, you just can't do that. Another term here would be absurd, ridiculously unreasonable, having no rational or orderly relationship to human life, uh, meaninglessness, um, again, no purpose, but in a pejorative way. Um, an example here that I think Sam Harris used to use that I think is a good one, thinking that eating frozen yogurt will make you invisible, right? Like- I almost spit my water out this morning when I was reading that <laughs> Like, okay, you know, good. Um, there are lots of others that I could cite that might strike a nerve for people if I cited them, but uh, hopefully that one kind of, you know, oh yeah, let's, let's think about that for a second. Right. Um, so that would be a good example. And then nihilism, the belief that traditional morals, ideas, beliefs have no worth or, or value. And then the last one I just added um, very recently was irrationality. Now this one's kind of tangential to the others, um, but I think it's connected in, in a certain way. So pursuing a means that does not coincide with a given end. So there's nothing irrational about eating pizza, chocolate chip cookies, you know, smoking, drinking, what have you. It's only irrational if you adopt the end of health. Yeah. If if your goal is health, then that is irrational, but um, it's not irrational without outside of that end. So I think that will be worth discussing. So yeah. Any thoughts there? Yeah, no, nice, nice. You got that one in under the uh, under the gun there. Listen, yeah. folks, just want to let everyone know. I didn't know rationality was going to be included as one of the words here. There's going to be under, under just to uh, play play that card. I I don't know if I can handle it. Just give me a second. I need to do some thinking based on that. Um, yeah, when I think of, uh, I like the way actually that you're you're trying to create. Um, I'm not sure for what intentions other than to just to see that 
you know, looking at different words and their different definitions allows us to figure out, you know, what, what truly folly is, or this actual, let's call it one area means that is meaningless or, or what without meaning or the opposite of our previous one. Um, I just like the way that we're going through a number of different, uh, number of different ways. The reason why I'm just making mention of that is that uh, any coaches or anyone listening in, this is a good place to start. We've done, we've done it numerous times, but it's a good place to go to determine like, well, what are words that are similar to this and what are ones that are not similar? And, th- and what you start doing then is you can create this kind of what I like to call an ordering of what's the, you know, what does it really mean? And then what is, what is it, what does, what does it mean just close to that? And what, when, what happens when you start moving further and further away from that meaning of that word or the definition of it? Uh, you start bringing on these different components. So I really like the way uh, that's done. Um, I'd like to double click on play because play comes into, I think what we discussed last time, I forget the context, but these these three areas of meaning that people can jam on for uh, relations, work or play and um, as just being a base support and then you can color you know, multiple things outside of that. Um, I've more recently uh, read, uh, David Brooks, uh, talked about a different version of that. Uh, Cal Newport has, uh, the four C's. Um, there's multiple people that give obviously these different ideas of what you can chew on as base support for meaning. And, um, but in all of them, uh, Ravi play does come in that, come in that area in, in different ways, you know? And then I started thinking about, to your point, it's, I don't know if it's irony, but I think when people hear the word play, they, they immediately think of children playing in a park or there's some kind of, now um, I'm, not, I'm not really sure, you know, if I can provide the, uh, you know, the evidence or the reading or whatever, but it's just based upon, I forget the individual that actually that did the research on play and growth and development, but um, the action of play and what they were questioning was, is the action of play uh, innate? And they have seen it in primates and they have seen it in multiple other um, mammal and animal life developmental processes. And, um, and they were just mentioning that it, it, there's kind of a discontinuance in that play in adulthood and homo sapiens for multiple different reasons, modernity or things, you know, et cetera. And we just start using different words then, you know, over time, we start using words like innovation and creativity and et cetera. And uh, where, you know, I don't know if you see it that way, but I see people being physically creative uh, through dance um, as being a playful act, right? It's a, it's a playful act. They're really just searching out there. And the reason why I'm trying to get people to jam on some of the words here, I'm trying to tie in the, the physical here, but also see that uh, there is a connector between some of the physical stuff that we do you know, could actually be no intent and purpose based upon what we've defined as being meaningful. And here is the, there's the thing at the end, does it really matter? Does it really matter if we're just being playful? Um, and, and then, and then it's like, well, where's the definition of play? And then if, if you keep going down the continuum, right, of play, it ends up being like, well, we're close to being absurd now because we're not even sure if there's any reason to do it whatsoever. So um, that's what I got from you, you know, putting up a, a number of different, um, different words there, it opens, 
it opens my eyes to using not only folly, you know, in my conversation. I should, uh, at the outset here, say though that uh, I think it's not that I'm taking, you know, any any uh, victim state of that, uh, but um, the when I use it, whether it be for CCP or uh, in the public, you know. Uh, I don't have time, whether it's on the CCP call nor on a podcast, to explain in full depth how I come to that one word, right? So what the one word does, it, it's so far removed, right, from play and creativity and innovation and these other areas, right? Um, that it, that it, 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 in, it indirectly, you know, can make people say, no, there's, there's, there's no way it can be absurd. There's no way there, there can be no purpose to what we're doing. Like it's not possible. And so that's, you know, inherently, you know, folks should know that that's the main reason why I choose it. It's to, it's indirectly like, just, let's just be careful now of uh, what you are calling meaningful. And then it doesn't, doesn't mean that I do it the right way by all means, but then I take a historical perspective, right? A evolutionary perspective and Da, 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 up to modern times and this is what we have it's like you know so now let's talk about well i think the bigger question is if you're going to argue not you Rob, but if anyone's going to argue well it's not folly well then it's it's your burden in my opinion then to come up with these like continuum pieces up to prove my point that it isn't folly um because i would sit in a camp uh, I mean, Jesus, I could give you, you know, hours of stories of whatever, whatever you're calling physical expression and the meaning of physical expression and what it did for me and what it did for others and et cetera. That means it's, it's endless. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's right. That's what I think about for. Um, and I'm glad you, you know, when you put absurd in there, that's a fantastic word because it, it, it is, I don't know what other way to say it. It's further than folly, you know, like, it's, it's, it's to the point where, um, and, uh, you know, thank you, because I'm going to start using it <laughs> more so <laughs> if, like, if I'm looking across the screen and, and people are like, uh, fitness is folly. I got it. And then you're like, no, it's absurd. <laughs> oh, we ain't anyway now, you know? Uh, so I'm going to use that because, uh, I, I see absurd Robbie as meaningless. That's this, that's what I, you know, and, and if that is the word that I'm going to use for meaningless, then it is the, you know, it, for me, it creates a, this huge spectrum now, right? Go to go from meaning to meaningless and, and absurd is definitely, definitely far over there. Um, yeah. So I appreciate uh, taking through the, the starting points of the uh, definitions and I hope people uh, can do the same when they're trying to decide upon if this is actually a beneficial word, where it should be used, what do we mean when we say it? What are things that are close to it? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think a number of good points in there, a few things that came to mind. So one is, yeah, certainly being charitable, you know, me thinking about the ways in which you've used the term and like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I've always thought in your case, like there was a bit of a rhetorical element to using folly, right? It's a little bit of a, like a, you know, hey, like wake up, you know, kind of, recognize that yeah maybe maybe in you know, a little bit of an implicit challenge like recognize that a lot of what we do call it call fitness is in fact folly and yeah think about like what um 
what ways or what reasons you could give to say that the things that you and you know that not you but like one engages in in fitness is not folly um i do think these different terms here are useful kind of like you were saying where they're all in one way or another involved with this notion of like meaninglessness or purposelessness it's just that some are more kind of like we're saying either pejorative or um um have a little bit more of a positive spin than others. So like absurd, absurd, part of the reason we're using it here in connection with the first episode in this one is existentialism. So like within existentialism, this notion of like life being uh, absurd and having no ultimate meaning. And I would agree with you that absurdity is definitely a notch above folly. Uh, I would say, you know, play is, I, I would put it in those categories you were saying of like, you know, relationships, you know, career work, and then like play in terms of being a positive thing. Folly is more like, eh, why are you doing it? You're kind of wasting your time. And then absurd is more that existential angst yeah. or type, dread type side, side of things. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I love that because it kind of, yeah, it sets the tone. It sets the continuum, right? You could, if you're going to pick that word, just know where it's going to sit. Um, just to re replay the, the, the reason why I think that uh, I'm probably more hesitant to just like remove folly from the language and just call everything play is that this is, this is why I mentioned the innate thing inside of us for physical expression is that uh, I'm just seeing a lot of people who, you know, don't have the, the competency nor the correct intentions to see physical expression as a playful act. So you can't just say, oh, their physical expression is a playful act because then I can be Jimmy on the street and interview all these people and they don't think it's a, it's a creative physical expression for themselves. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's not play. So this is, this is where I think, uh, you know, we could say something like, we should try as much as possible to, to, to move the entire thing towards people perceiving this as play. Like this is a playful act because I would agree with you when fitness is playful, it has that innate thing inside of us that we're all capable of doing. Again, as I said, this could be arguable, et cetera, as you move into adulthood and et cetera. Um, it has this aspect of not unknowable, you know, shit. It's like, no, you're going to get variation and perturbations and a whole lot of changes that occur in this. Right. Um, and you're going to get longevity because if anyone knows and needs to be educated on it, when you get into playful endeavors, especially creative playful endeavors, I mean, you can't even come, you can't even complete all the possibilities in your lifetime. You know, say like that could be if people are taught effectively, that could be very threatening to some, or that could be like a, you know, you can open up an entire lifetime of opportunity for people for that. So I think, yeah, I, I, I like, uh, but I just wanted to make mention, that's why I'm afraid of, you know, play getting smuggled in when they're in, when the intentions are still not there. And that, I mean, that to me, just as I'm hearing it right now, that raises an interesting question that maybe you know, you might just say there's an asymmetry between childhood and adulthood um, yeah. there, yeah. but, you know, dude, the, the central question would be, 
does someone need to recognize that it's play in order for it to be play, right? So like with kids, if you go up to them and say, well, what are you doing? Well, yeah. what do you mean? <laughs> you know, I, what yeah. do you mean just doing this thing? Yeah. Um, but you might, you know, and then you could make a similar argument for adults and say like, well, it, it could still metaphysically be play without someone having any rational recognition of it. But on the flip side, the, the objection to that, that you could lob back at me is say something like, well, no, for adults, like there needs to be some deeper intention. Mm -hmm. yeah so we can see yeah, that. totally agree with all that um i see it as like uh it's like two two circles overlapping one another right there's there's not really a demarcation but there is monstrous differences between little people and big people you know um and intentions and and but that that's why i wanted to bring it up is you know we even indirectly use it you know we think about play we think about kids at a playground or you know it's even that for me i don't know about anyone else i hear about that noise like you can hear the kids screaming at a playground in a city right. back, like that just immediately comes up when someone says play right um so why is that guaranteed it's got lots to do with my daniel kahneman would say it's just my repetitive experiences of hearing that plus that word and it's like bing, you know but um but then if you go back to jane goodall's you know stuff if you want to tie that in if you want to go back to young kids for motor control improvements, right? They try to get young individuals in multiple different scenarios of rehabilitative places uh, through a playful activity that leads to motor control improvement, right? So it's this, it's this motor cortex that's being developed that can only be developed if it's in a playful scenario, you know? And so that has to like, you know, something has to happen there where it's just like, oh, to your point, like you're asking kids, what are you doing now? Well, I don't know, you know? But what we know they're doing is play. So I like your, you know, I like that uh, the the question you asked there, and I would agree. Yeah, there's there's no, you know, at eighteen you just don't be like, oh, that was dumb. I was doing, <laughs> I don't even know what I was doing the whole time, you know. Uh, there's 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 a crack and and some changes that occur, um, and I think this is an important part. Um, I'm not sure if you're sensing it, but it's an important part of this like this continuum and the layout of the language for, uh, what fitness is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, two of the things that came to mind, just as you were saying that one is, and I guess these are both related, like the different perspectives you might have on it or the different, um, layers you might go into with each way of viewing it. So like, for example, when we say play, whether with kids or adults, it's, you know, it's typically this notion of being purposeless. Mm -hmm. Uh, in one way or another, but of course, <laughs> from an evolutionary perspective, it is, it has a very clear purpose. It has lots yeah. of benefits, even if the organism isn't rationally aware mm -hmm. of those benefits, like that, you know, emotional regulation, motor coordination, all, all these different things. So yeah. um, just kind of those two different layers of viewing things. And then another thing that I think is worth us asking later on the line with fitness um, and I think we talked about this before where in a, in a progress episode where we were saying, oh, sure, you can say something is progress within this particular sphere of endeavor, but is it progress at large for the human species, right? So like mm -hmm. no one can argue that from a technological standpoint, like TikTok is a progress in technology. It is. Mm -hmm. Peloton is a progress mm -hmm. in technology uh, within those like you know, very immediate spheres of like, oh, you're able to do this and track this. But then we have to ask the larger question of, well, wait, 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 like for, you know, humanity and morality and like what we're trying to do as a species, like, is this progress or, or not? So we can ask a similar question with regard to play and folly. We can say like, 
in this sphere is this player folly and then like in the larger context is it you know absurdity or not yes yeah no i yeah yeah don't get me on the <laughs> the other that one um but as I, as you're saying it you know what uh what i came up with is to what i think is just innate for what that you called it organism i like that because that's what it's doing it's it's um you know, th through this thing that we're, we don't even know what it's called, and, you know, even if we say it's play on your point of like, could, is it really purposeful or uh, is there no purpose to it? Um, I think that that young child doesn't know necessarily that it is playful, but it's a it's a sense making opportunity. It, it allows them to to be able to, you know, quote unquote, reach out and kind of figure out their environment and how to navigate that environment. Um, and, you know, indirectly it's, it's bubbling up all these things that will make them really good at reproduction and survival and all the things you can call it different words, but all the things that go with that, right. Um, reproduction is just not sex making machines. It's just all the things that come with growth and development, cognitive function, brain growth, et cetera, et cetera. And then survival is all those intermediary things that allow you to figure out how this thing is going to keep operating at the highest efficiency and whatnot. So uh, that's what I thought of as this. And that all happens through children playing, right? I mean, this sounds like big, big things, but they are. They're really important. They're really important. Um, and we, we know that when this is withheld, I mean, there's, there's so much uh research on that now especially in my lane for what i look at like the differences of let's just call it childhood activity in a public education setting over the past 50 years um, there's numerous things that are coming about that you can't create direct causal vectors from but it's causing it's causing some main major issues right when when this play and constant play and the amount of play and frequent play and opportunity for that is just not a part of of the uh the growth and development program um and i mean like there's not direct causal vectors and the reason why i could say that this will hit home is that the thing that we implicitly not implicitly but the thing that we kind of put in put in there um because it quote unquote wasn't working when we just leave this you know this play in the physical education curriculum uh was sport right we immediately said oh geez you know this is this is folly you know not we but like you know, people who are like you know we can't have people we have kids just like running around at recess and like just playing games and like figuring out their environment and rough and tumble and playing in the park how are we going to score that how are we going to test that you know this is this is how we made these decisions it's not it's not much for than that right it's like hmm you know Let's uh, let's volleyball. There's a thing called volleyball. You know, there's a thing called basketball. There's soccer. We can score them that way. And see, this is how the it got bled into the quote unquote physical education. It's actually sport education. Sorry, I'm on a I'm on a thing for that. But this is this is where it should make sense to us, ironically, that play can even be questioned as being purposeful. <laughs> you know, right? We've, generations gone by where we're like, that's stupid. <laughs> right. I mean, just thinking of the absurdity of that claim, right? Like, you know, like school administrators saying like play is, well, play is folly. Well, yeah, that, that's, that's the point. Exactly. 
Um, and that, that to me, I was thinking of like, that it's such an interesting dichotomy where again, from like an evolutionary's like species level perspective, there is a very inherent purpose, but you, you like the, the kid to actually get the benefit of play can't be saying, oh, I'm doing this for better reproduction later on. Yep. It's precisely the fact that they're not aware of it. And it's just like, Hey, just, you know, screwing around. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. See, screwing around. Like yeah. <laughs> it's even in our language, right? right? Get in line, elbow here, you know, <laughs> go back to the end of the line. You know, if you're not doing that, uh, that means that you're being playful. Think about it. like, that's, you know, gosh. So, but um, anyways, it does make us think about uh, possibly a philosophical conversation that probably needs to be had particularly on play. Yeah. And, uh, and extracting that from beyond, you know, further to the left of the continuum, right. Of where folly sits is further away from absurdity. And then like, uh, you know, cause I think there's lots in there that we can ask some questions on. Yeah. That will right. help this. That will help my language over time. Right. Yeah. So depending upon who is in front of me, it's like for you, fitness is play for you. It's folly for you. It's absurd. <laughs> And all, of them are, and all of them are crying at the end. It's like, Why? yes, I did my job. Well, no, but you know, instead of saying, instead of being, you know, up on the high horse, just telling everyone fitness is so meaningful, right? Anyways. No, I, I think, and I think that's where, I mean, I, gosh, I've probably talked about six or seven different conceptions of philosophy as we've gone on, you know, something questioning and how do all the things fit together. But yet, yet another conception of philosophy that's quite useful is um, conceptual demarcation and clarification of like, you know, where do these things fit? Are they adjacent to one another? Are they cousins? Are they brothers? Are they sisters? Like, how do they fit? And I think play, folly, and absurdity are all related, but ultimately different. And, you know, if I'm laying my cards on the table, I think there's an interesting discussion to be had around this. And I think I could be wrong, but I think we're probably closer than not on this, but like I, I would characterize virtuous fitness or what we have been describing as, you know, capital F fitness more in the realm of play than necessarily folly. But, um, but yeah, I think it's an interesting discussion to be had. Yep. So a last, last one on this, just cause, uh, heard about it as you were just, uh, I'm going to go along with your point there that, um, uh, one, one cohort group that I noticed were, uh, had a great career in mixed modal uh, were the individuals that really found the physical challenges that were imposed in front of them as being a playful opportunity to figure out those physical challenges. You know, so some people can chew on that one for a while where there's just, there's just endless humans out there that are going through this mixed modal struggle for, for all these, and I'll just call them lower order reasons, right? They're uncomfortable. No one wants to talk about it, right? But it's like, I want to find a mate. I want to have bigger, a bigger ass. I want to be leaner. I want to, you know, have attention on myself. I want to get to regionals and, you know, because then I'll be popular. I don't even know what it's called anymore, sectionals, right? I want to show people that I'm actually participating in something online and that creates meaning for me. But then if you extract the 5% that are actually like really happy, and find the sport really fun and are really good, what do they do in their training that's different from the other 95%? They find every session an opportunity 
to play. It's a physical challenge that they're like, oh, interesting. How am I going to figure this one out? This is how they're approaching it. So what am I doing there? That's, that's a playful act, right? You see that? It's, and, and that's why I'm probably also really, really sensitive when people are like, oh, yeah, that's, I can do that too. It's not the action. It's not the act that you need to do to duplicate that. <laughs> it's this. You need to, this is, this is where you need to go. You need to, why are you doing it? <laughs> you know, and then it brings us back to like, well, this is where philosophy fits in, right? Ask these questions prior to that action. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's Sorry, I went on there, but I think that's, that, that'll be continued in our play area. No, I, I, yeah, I think that's a very worthwhile discussion. Um, so a couple connections here that we can, we can draw on, um, and obviously absurdity in philosophy or life in philosophy could be, you know, um, Oh, wait, no, wait. Oh, I almost, almost said it. James put a moratorium on it last time. Not going to do it. <laughs> so absurdity in philosophy. Um, so absurdity comes to prominence as a major concept in uh, existentialism. So in, in, um, in, last episode, in the last episode, I talked about this uh, movement called existentialism. And just so people are aware, this is kind of like rationalism or empiricism or like during the time it was being discussed, it wasn't necessarily called this. It's in retrospect, like the dark ages weren't called the dark ages and that's even not the right term anymore, but you know what I mean? Like huh? called it after the fact, but um, existentialism, you know, you could think of as, you know, starting in a lot of ways with uh, Kierkegaard and, and Nietzsche. Um, and there's a really good quote here from uh, the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy about absurdity uh, and its relation to existentialism. So. An existential account of meaning and value must recognize both possibilities and their intermediaries. To do so is to acknowledge a certain absurdity to existence. Though reason and value have a foothold in the world, they are not, after all, after all my arbitrary invention, they nevertheless lack any ultimate foundation. Values are not intrinsic to being, and at some point, reasons give out. So one of the things that's really unique about existentialism as opposed to, you know, Kantian thought, let's say, or ration, rationalism or Plato and Aristotle is, you know, working through the philosophical implications uh, or what it means if life has no capital M meaning and is inherently absurd. What, what do we do then? Um, or even further, you know, let, let's say, you know, uh, there's, there's a very long tradition of uh, religious existentialism, Jewish existentialism, Christian existentialism, where maybe you think life does have some capital M meaning, but what it, what is it to say that life's meaning goes beyond rationality and intelligibility? Like it escapes those bounds of comprehension, whereas like Aquinas and uh, Maimonides and others wanted to say, no, it's ultimately within the bounds of reason in one sense or another, um, you know, thinking about what would it mean for that to escape the bounds of rationality and intelligibility. So uh, within philosophy, there is this, larger question about what does it mean if life is ultimately absurd, ultimately capital M, um, meaningless, and, you know, what, what do we do as a result? Yeah, and that's going to get us into the area of uh, us clarifying the language, right? It's folly, but let's get on with it. Um, and these are, you know, I see that as really big questions, you know, to me personally, right? Yeah. But, and, and for today, I think that's great. We're we could just leave it at that um, and maybe go back to other, other episodes that we've had 
around this particular area and also just their most recent one on meaning. And we do give some time to allow people to, you know, you know, play with those opportunities and play with those things that what may fill that thing of right. uh, meaning, you know, on the, on the opposite end of the spectrum, if absurdity is over there and meaning is over here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I really like that. Uh, well, like meaning like what it does for my brain uh, of the quote um, that I probably should have read it in more in depth beforehand. Cause I'm, I'm kind of stuck on so many things that I'd like to jam on or just discuss with you or just sit with, but uh, we won't. Yeah. And I think, you know, ultimately we can come back to it at some point, but yeah, just getting people to think a little, you know, we're, we're asking this local question or most of what we're going to be discussing today is this local question about fitness and absurdity or fitness and folly. And like, is that ultimately folly, but recognizing that in this larger context, you know, and talking about the demarcation problem with folly, like what if the whole enterprise of life, you know, well then of course, de facto yeah. fitness is, but um, you know, just this larger question that's asked within not just philosophy, but I, I, I think, you know, I, I could be wrong, but I think almost every human asks this at some point, whether they're super religious or not, like, you know, they, they run into some sort of crisis and ask like, you know, what, what does it all mean? Like, what, what are we, what are you doing here? And even if they don't ultimately end with, you know, the answer of like, this is all absurdity or folly. Like there is this very deep human question about like, does this mean anything? Is there significance? Is, is it just absurdity all the way down? So it's a, whether you're a philosopher or not is a profound human question, I think, in, in general. So. Yeah, yeah, I've got a question for you or your thoughts on that. If, uh, you know, let's say that people, you know, and there's a, there would be a cohort of people, right? I'm not going to classify them in certain belief, but there would be a cohort of people in a certain belief that w do believe that there is an actual, like, straight line arrow to a meaning of life, right? Um, now, you know, I can't give you percentages, but I'm just going to cohort like a whole you know, in some kind of belief, you know, um, let's say a belief in a supernatural, you know, area that is going to, it's going to, it's not straight line, obviously. And there's lots of <laughs> variations inside of there. Do you think that that is then going to lead to how they create a straight line meaning through other areas? So if they go into this concept of, you know, what's, what meaning is there in fitness? Do you think that they're going to like, oh, you know, revert back to like, well, you know, this straight line arrow here, this is what my, this is what I really do believe this whole thing is for. And do they then just say, well, so this is how I must approach uh, fitness as being meaningful. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think there could be exceptions, but immediately off the top of my head, I, I think there is a straight line correlation, although I can see it going different ways. And I think we maybe short, sort of chatted about this at one point, but like, let's say your ultimate meeting is this capital M, you know, do God's work. We are God's creation, you know, um, purify the soul, what have you. You could have one view related to that about fitness, about, you know, keeping up the body and the body is God's creation and is the vessel for the soul. And there, therefore fitness has value insofar as it's part of that project. Mm. I can see another religious way of looking at it. Maybe, you know, not that Augustine was uh, pumping iron, or, you know, doing bicep curls or anything like that. But you could do another view of fitness where, you know, kind of this um, soul is great and the body is junk, kind of like, well, why are we even bothering with that, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, our, our deepest thing is to be worried about the soul and the body is just, eh. 
you know what I mean? Kind of a, an ascetic type uh, view of like, why are we so concerned with our food and our physical expression? Like we should be concerned with the mind and the soul. And so I, I do think in one way or another, if that is the ultimate thing, there, there can be a way that you draw a straight line to how you would view fitness or health. That would be my, my view. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Would uh, just as a side, would Buddhist monks uh, be in that area too? Just called something different, but folks entirely on uh, just thought process and and uh, what consciousness where it sits and maybe, but you know, I mean, I just and, don't know if they're you know doing you know five by fives every second days every second day. You never you never know. Rogue actually has some Tibetan Buddhist stuff that they they ship out to uh, you know some uh the, the awesome. colors of the stones. colors of crimson and dark yellow uh, stones yeah at the patala palace they've got uh you know doing back squats no but i mean it's an interesting question i mean if anyone's listening i mean i'm sure there's you know there are plenty of people out there who know more than i do about this but <clears throat> um you know studied buddhism a bit in uh, college with uh uma thurman's father interestingly enough robert cool. thurman um and then went over to tibet for a bit and um you know there, there, there's these different threads within buddhism and hinduism of not that those two are the same things but like yeah. within buddhism you know there's this very very strong ascetic um trend of like you know deny the body like to, you know all that stuff like starvation mm -hmm. going without water for prolonged periods and then there's you know shaolin monks you know, how, how do you get more physical culture than that yeah. Um, yeah. within the same tradition? So, uh, yeah, that's a very good question. I, you know, it's in interesting, those different forms of expression in within that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think if we kept going on this back and forth, we'd probably come back to the mind body questioning. And that's where we'd end up, I think. And then let using that as a base support going out like what do people think about where her body sits? What do people think about where her mind sits and how, you know, how the interplay is there? Yeah, definitely. Um, so two other quick things before we get to fitness and folly. So with life and philosophy, there's, you know, this great Shakespeare quote that I think um, kind of encapsulates the worry really well from Macbeth. Life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing <laughs> now you could take that last part and sum up james you on fitness <laughs> and Except i can only imagine the, the only way that that could have been better is if you sounded like ian uh whatever his name is ian mckenna and his big McKellen, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't i'm not going to ask you to try because i wouldn't want you to, no. uh, to slip on that but yeah no, man do very poorly yeah that's and, the only uh, way that could be better but that summarizes a lot for sure yeah not gonna lie that's in my thoughts yeah and you, we could only imagine who goes in the parentheses uh idiot <laughs> part there <laughs> in terms of uh yeah people from uh, hq uh anyway um but yeah i mean this this is kind of the uh this is kind of the central you know, uh, not just philosophical worry, but an individual worry that, you know, people wonder, is there suffering? Are their life's journeys ultimately, um, 
for not. And, um, you know, just as some example, last time we talked about what would give life meaning, just to give some examples of what would make life absurd or meaningless if they in fact obtain, and we're not saying they, they do, uh, and obtain is just fancy philosophical speak for like, if they are in fact the case, or if, if that's actually the way the world is, that, that's all I'm saying there. So what would make life absurd or meaningless if we thought there was some capital M meaning and no such meaning existed, but we lived our lives as though it did. Um, Pascal actually argues against this. He says, well, no, you know, if there's no capital N meaning and we lived our lives that way, eh, we lost out a little bit, but if, but if there was, how much did we gain? Um, if our lives were similar to Sisyphus, where we're just pushing a boulder up a hill that ultimately just rolls back down, um, if we lived in the matrix or some other illusory or brain in a vat type world, those are the types of things that philosophers have thought would ultimately make life meaningless or absurd. Now you can have questions there and debates and back and forth, but those are, those are some of candidates um, for those things. So I think in thinking ultimately about fitness and absurdity, one of the questions we could ask, you know, is about, well, is this just like Sisyphus pushing the boulder up the hill and then it just rolls back down and it's just, we're doing it just to do it, but there's no ultimate, no ultimate meaning to it. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask here before we launch into the fitness and um, folly discussion is, and this is going to lead right into it. What sorts of things, James, do you think of uh, as not folly? Because in order, again, in order to say that fitness is folly, it's got to be a substance of claim. To say it's a substance of claim is to say that there are things that wouldn't count as it. So what things for you would count as not folly or not absurd within life? Yeah. Um, a discovery, you know, first, I don't know why first thing I thought of, but discovery of the, op, uh, a discovery of love um, or discovering that there is such thing as love. Um, you know, that's the, that's the first thing I think about. Um, you know, um, waking up every day, you know, um, eyes open and it's, you know, that whole idea around, uh, you know, was that just what just happened in the wake in the, uh, wakeless hours, right? Was I, was I unconscious or what, what, what happened there? But my brain was still going and my body was still pumping, but I don't, I don't have like this real clear connection to it. So I think the, you know, waking up every day is, is, uh, it's just a part of the process. Um, I think, uh, learning and adaptation, um, is not folly. Um, you know, uh, I'm just trying to think, just, I'm just spitballing here. What's coming to my mind, but like, you know, to the simple things of, uh, of, you know, taking this walking route to school and, um, you know, you're taking this walking route hundreds of times a year, you know, and, uh, and you get a chance to just contemplate whether you're listening to music or, or, uh, whatever. And you always know that, you know, there's this certain sidewalk crack, you know, there's a crack between the sidewalk breaks where, you know, you've only tripped up on that thing one time. <laughs> It could be as simple as that, you know, it's like that learning there is a really very, very, very small, but, but massive idea of like, you know, learning from your mistakes, quote unquote, or learning or tripping up and then creating more efficiency in the story of efficiency, meaning you did it hundred and hundred times more, but it's like every time 
you're almost at the point now you're unconsciously competent of that crack being higher and you're not going to fall over it again. So I think that uh, learning and adaptations would be uh, not folly. Um, and I'll just stop there. Uh, it's, it's a question. Uh, I appreciate the question too, because uh, I was about to ask right away prior to you starting there um, your thoughts on this. Is there another way of going about uh, getting to what folly means, but not this direction? Like, is there another way of going about it by not necessarily doing a, I guess, to use the word, a demarcation or a continuum between what is and what is not folly, right? Um, so anyways, I, I gave you some things that I thought about right away that may need more. And I appreciate asking the question. The reason why I said that is because uh, um, I'll be able to sit with it a, a lot more, um, you know, to, to clear, clarify it. But then secondly, what's your thoughts on that? Is there another way of going about it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I really appreciate the answers. And I think just from you having said that, I think one of the questions I come away with is like, if learning adaptation or not folly, in what sense could we say that fitness overlaps or does not overlap with that? But yeah, I mean, I, you you can just very straight away start with like the definition like we did up above. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be starting from, you know, what is not folly. I think part of the reason I asked it in that particular way is because one of the things that comes up in existentialism and this, this view that life could perhaps be absurd is that maybe the whole project is, <laughs> in which case, like, what makes fitness any different, right? Like, well, you know, why isn't art folly? You know, why isn't music folly? Why isn't philosophy folly? Mm -hmm. um, in this, in which case, like, how is it in any way substantive to say fitness is folly? Mm -hmm. uh, that's to say something that applies to every other endeavor that we choose to engage in, like, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I should send this to you. Brandon sent me this TikTok about like, I know this is going to sound tangentially related, but I promise it, it comes back. So like TikTok about like, how did they come up with like winter sports? And they're like sprinting, but on ice, um, you know, uh, you look like a squirrel as you do like the ski jump and like, you know, uh, hunting, but in the winter and like, you know, cross country skiing, like a bobsled and just like, we give away gold medals for these things and people train for four years, but like, it's just this weird, wacky, like, how yeah, is that? Yeah. How is, this not, how is this not any more or less folly or snowboarding? You know, I, I love snowboarding, but like, how is this any more or less folly than anything else? And, but then you, you can apply that to any intellectual endeavor too, like Egyptologists, like, okay, how is that making my life better or any more meaningful? Like, it's interesting, mm -hmm. but you know what I mean? Like going back to this notion of like reasons ultimately bottom out, um, part of what makes these things all interesting and what passion derives from is this notion of like, it's intrinsically interesting, mm -hmm. full stop. Yeah. Like so that's part of the reason why I went from the, the other direction is like this question of, well, how much substance are we attaching to this saying fitness is folly? Is that really something unique to fitness that couldn't be applied to other endeavors? Or is that equally true of literature? Mm -hmm. Is that equally true of philosophy? And in what ways is, are those different or not? So that's, that's kind of how I was in, in picturing it, I guess. Yeah, solid. Um, yeah, I also thought about in there how over time, just to your point on art, um, you know, it is possible where over time art can be considered absurd. It's just how people at the current time are viewing the world, right? So, because right. um, I, I don't know, I'm just going to guess, but um, there it is a really, I don't know why you picked art, by the way, but with the, with the, with the, you know, the technology, 
right? So having a phone that now is indirectly, if it's not now, then a number of years, digital photography is really going to change the concept, you know, what photography is and, and also uh, NFTs and what we consider artistic endeavors, right? Like, you know, I'm just trying to say like back in 1965, if that was a good year, if I apologize if I'm bastardizing it, but to, to see and to watch Jackson Pollock go through something for a number of weeks, like, and see, just imagine the appreciation that someone may have when they finally see the finished product, right? So I think it's the time and how you view the world would determine, you know, if you're finding it meaningful. Um, I'm not sure if that correlates to what we're talking about too. Let me, let me make an attempt. That I think it does because I did pick up on what you were saying there too, for where fitness fits in here. Cause it is that it's going back to, I think, uh, like you mentioned the winter Olympics is that I'm, I'm just really, really sensitive to people thinking that there's meaning in the snowboarding up and down, you know? because of the aesthetics right so the but but they're they're not they're not going deeper and jumping over and like talking to sean white and listening to his story and asking him like what is what what did you as a person gain from this with all this practice right and i think that's the stuff that people don't get and so this is very you know similar to what my issue is with fitness right is they see the thing happening and they're like that, that's the thing. That's what I need to do. That's meaningful. And I'm saying, no, it's not. It's actually folly. Right. Dot, dot, dot. Let's discuss it. Right. Let's, let's break it down. Right. The actual act needs to be this playful expression of yourself. I'm just being shortening in the words, but so I'm hearing what you're saying there for the ironically funny example of, of the winter Olympics and how they came about. It does tie into this. It does tie into this because um, what we see, what we view in the world and how we, you know, that it needs to be, we need to ask more questions as to what we see there. And that will then help us come up with a definition. So you'll see me on CNN say it's folly and then you'll get me for four hours and it's like, okay, you know, it's an unbelievable opportunity for people to learn about how to express themselves, you know? Yeah. We got to get you on CNN, James. <laughs> not sure why they can't. I think I think it keeps coming up because of the the classic, you know, tropes that people would use of like trying to explain a topic. Right? You just have three minutes, you know. So that's that's what. Uh, but to go back to your question about like why I used art, I mean, it it was you know partly just an example, but it, it actually directly connects to exactly what we were talking about. Kant and others, one of the ways they philosophically characterize art as something that is inherently without a purpose yet still has value or meaning. It has no utility, no purpose, mm -hmm. still has some sort of intrinsic value or meaning. And going back to the notion of that, of play or folly or absurdity, this notion of like purposelessness, no inherent end to it, um, but perhaps non-pejoratively may have some value or meaning to it. Yep. Um, yeah, that's why I drew out uh, for a recent knowledge series this conversation of moving from a novice coach up to a grandmaster and the concept and the same thing applies, I think, in a lot of systems that, you know, if, you, if set another way, the further you get towards grandmaster and detachment from the whole process and transcendence and including everything that you've learned, right, that actually is the highest form of the artist act. Right. So there it is again. It, it, <laughs> there's actually no 
you know, real big purpose to it. Now, down below, when you're the scientist, you're like, I got to come up with these ideas and I got to learn all these things and I got to put it through the process and put it through the loop, right? Um, to make sure it's, and at that point, there's a lot of purpose to that because it's the gaining of skills and et cetera. So I'm just using another example, a more recent conversation we've had of moving from the scientist to the artist over time as a coach, right? To, to hit again on your point of this is where it comes in again is like how much purpose is there at the end if the overarching goal is to be the highest form of an artist? <laughs> well, that's it. It's like it's to be, as, as I said, in psychological terms, unconscious competence, right? You, you know, you know what's happening or why you're doing what you're doing. You see, so the, so the act of questioning doesn't even matter. <laughs> it's just like, it's just so good. What do you mean by good? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's just the muse coming down and delivering, you know. Yes, that's the, yeah. The song of fitness in our ears. You know what I meant. You know what yeah. I said. You know, I, I wake up every morning and I, I pray to the muse of uh, Dave Castro. And he, uh, <laughs> he hums his... Uh... <laughs> he hums his open workouts into my mind i'm just yeah i speak in tongues and yeah anyway oh uh, so with all that um you said the idiot full of sound and fury yeah yeah, yeah no that's uh that that would be a clear candidate <laughs> oh man well he's not at crossfit anymore so i'm not going to get a cease and desist hopefully we'll see um I would, I would honestly, you know, if, if that were to come to pass, I would, I would be more. Senate Opex HQ. I would be more happy slash astounded that he has listened to our podcast than anything else. But, well, like you said, you know, the, you can just search Google for when it comes up and. Oh yeah. Right. So. This will come back to haunt me later on. We'll see. So to get to fitness and absurdity, I, I think, you know, if we, if we put things on a spectrum here anyone within fitness has to grant that there are certain things that are absurd, right? And you could throw in shake weights or belly wraps or, you know, GHD bench press or, and then I think, you know, you could go a little bit further and say, well, you know, uh, snatching and cleaning, jerking and workouts and things like that. That's, you know, maybe a little bit further. And then there's kind of on the other end of the spectrum, there's, well, the whole, the whole enterprise, the whole, the whole endeavor might just be, um, folly where we mean something like misguided shouldn't be done in certain ways um and i think that's really where the substantive claim comes in and where the worry comes in it's a similar thing about life and it's a similar thing about philosophy where anyone who engages in philosophy can admit that there are silly or absurd conversations that probably shouldn't go on or be better left by the wayside with life there are certain endeavors that shouldn't be considered worthwhile but with both of them the larger worry as well as this whole enterprise problematic is this whole enterprise absurd or folly so um thoughts there on yeah that. gosh yeah. gosh let me get in my captain's seat here um right, pump it up a level we'll, we'll, we'll speed ahead <laughs> is that what the saying was i really need to pick up my game so we can have like this little banter uh, to go on I'm trying to think. I know. Uh, I'm trying to think. What do I a, need to do? Just tell me what I need to do, Robbie. What do I need to watch? I think it's the the original Star Trek with. Uh, why am I forgetting his name right now? Oh my gosh, he's. Yeah, I just went in outer space. William. Will. Yeah, uh, Will, Will Shatner. Yeah, and uh, there's like a Russian. I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. 
Like that's basically like that's that that's as fast as the ship can go. Is that Russian? I think that was the Scottish person on there. Yeah, that is sorry. That's that's my heritage. I, I well, okay. actually, I, I, I have Russian me too, but yeah, I can't okay, do very well. So, but yeah. Oh no, was it was it? Yeah, no, I think he was Scottish. When people say Russian. that they have Russian in me, is that just like a big orgy going on? Like a long time ago? What do you mean by that? Just like lineage of no, I mean like my grandpa. Some some Russian snuck into the picture. Like <laughs> yeah, no, I mean like my my mom's dad's family is all Russian, although uh Okay. Yeah, and my my dad's mom's family is all like Scottish and Irish. So they're both there, but yeah. uh, it was yeah. a big old movie. You never know. That, wouldn't that be such a cool project? You know, someone from the future comes back like 300 years ago and just picks people up from everywhere and just brings yeah. them to this massive orgy and then just puts them back in place. <laughs> just like figure shit out, <laughs> you know? Gosh, that would make things so much better. Holy you cow. Thought, you thought this was your lineage, but no, it's actually, no, it's this orgy. That's right, right? And then Interesting story. Truths, right? Uh, when we looked up my dad's uh, 23 and me and my mom's and, and mine, there was like, there's like a, a supposed to be 25% that was like, wait, that should be there, but that's not there. And like, Hey, it was, was grandma yeah. doing such and such. And yeah, that's right. So. That's right. I like it. I like it. Uh, well, I like it of course, cause I had straight lines with mine, but uh, I'm sure that's a big burden to get. If uh, it's like just a second now. <laughs> I don't know. It seems kind of uh, cool to say that, you know, I got some Russian in there. I got some Italian in there, you know, just, I don't know. It just kind of sounds cool to say it. I'm global. Yeah. I'm cosmopolitan. Yeah. I'm global European, not very global. Otherwise <laughs> but global European. <laughs> no one ever gets to see us. So they don't have a clue. That's true. That's right. True. Don't have a clue. Uh, which is all, which is all good. So, um, yeah, the original question. Let's go back here. Um, what you were just getting at before I lost uh, is the whole. I mean, so the really. Oh, the, oh I'm glad you said the whole. The whole damn enterprise. Yeah. Gosh, are you pulling into Star enterprise. Trek there too? Is that why? Is that? Why I, you... I honestly did not initially think about that, but I think that's a good connection. I like yeah, that. I mean the chair. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that uh, you know. It's not, but uh, let me explain what I mean by that. that. Again, it's very similar to the previous conversations of where I get a little, little uh, muffled is that what I currently see as the intentions in most fitness, you know, and that's where I get, that's where I get jammed, you know, um, you know, ultimately let's think about what, what ultimately we'd love everyone to be doing, everyone to be teaching and learning about this process of like what fitness is and how it can benefit our lives. Right. That's ultimately what we, what we, well, what I would say we would, we would like to have happen. Right. It's this, we're doing this movement and, Oh, did you learn know about this movement? Oh my God, this movement did this for me. Oh my God, isn't this so great. Okay, great. Now let's keep living and get smarter and, and do things, you know, uh, that's ultimately what, but what I think is most of the time is being done most of the time is being done in a generalized consensus. There's either no competency in terms of what the hell fitness means. And then on top of that, if it is being practiced, it's not done for those ultimate motives. Most times it's not. So I think that in itself could be, you know, an area of discussion, right? Well, it's, it looks like it's being done here. And this is the results that show it's being done successfully over here, et cetera. Um, but I don't think it is. And so it is the whole damn enterprise uh, folly? No, it's not. 
But a lot of it is, you know, a lot of it is because of that point of the intentions that are inside of what looks like the practice of the ultimate motive. But it's not that it's it. And I don't know, I probably I need to do a better job of it. But but I can see it in coaches eyes, you know, if that if that doesn't, that's not the answer. But uh, I can they I all know that they know, right? Like I, I get like I say it. And they're like, yeah, they're, they're not in it for that. <laughs> they're not in it for that. And I'm not in it for that. And uh, hmm, let me let me think about that. You know, what am I in it for? You know, so that's what I think about for it. And we were and where it draws this, uh, you know, draws this, uh, you know, swaying line and, uh, and all the things that come with that, right? So what would be, what would be uh, a way to create shift in that towards the ultimate motive? And my, my, my thoughts are, uh, I think it's education. I think it's education, meaning not just education on like just give textbooks, no, real hard conversations on why are you doing this? Right. The real, and, and I think just a lot of people are really afraid of what they're going to come up with when they ask a lot of those questions. Uh, they just think a lot of coaches and a lot of people who are in front of them are really. And so, so, so what do they do? They end up just being like, listen, man, I'm not, I'm not concerned about the why, right. I just, I'm just going to keep doing this because of all these other things that I think is the, are the motivating factors. Yeah, no, but that's, that, that's super helpful. And I think um, that just helps clarify a lot of the discussion that you've had around, you know, folly and, you know, so it's, it's not, it's not the whole damn enterprise, but it's a, it's, it's a whole lot more than people think. And, you know, the substantive stuff is the stuff that's done for the right intentions and for the right reasons. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and if, if people want to, on that side, you're, you're, you don't believe that, you know, and I'll give it, you know, uh, some numbers, you know, gosh, it's, it's, it's definitely not, uh, you know, 5%. It's, it's a uh, 90 ish. Um, and, uh, and even if I'm just throwing out a number, I'm just giving you an idea of the scale, our idea of the whole thing. And if you still don't believe that, uh, you need to, uh, you know, get inside of, um, different educational institutions and follow the money. You know, I think if you follow the money on all of the educational institutions for fitness, and you also follow the money as to who wins, in the attention economy platform, and you follow all the money that of who wins in regards to biometrics and supplements and health alternatives and all those things. I think if you keep going down that road, you will eventually see what I see, which is a really uh, big project, right? To make that whole 90% seem that it's really meaningful. Like it's a really heavy thing. It, it, everything is focused on that. This is meaningful. This is meaningful. Okay, this is meaningful. Now don't forget to wear the watch and take your supplements and do. You know, it's like, you know, and and really, you're you're losing. You're taking away from that person the opportunity to, you know, for the coach to ask the hard question on autonomy, the coach to ask the hard questions on the why, uh, because we're scared shitless that the person is going to go down the street and go to another another biometric and a faster thing and and something. So. There's the challenge, right? There's the challenge is, uh, is like, I always like to say the, 
if we, if we didn't have all those burdens of like, well, I gotta have all these clients and I gotta have, you know, I'm concerned about the money to be made and I'm, you know, I gotta pay the bills for this building and et cetera. We would end up just having a ton of conversations and public square debate and like open, open the doors to like, well, you think this is good. Let's discuss this. (laughs) Let's, you know, let's me and whoever, like we mentioned before, let's get together and talk amongst all people, you know, and we're not concerned about, you know, our political ideology when we come into it, because we're still going to do what we need to do for the project when we leave. Right. But there's just so much concern of losing everything to come into that conversation. I just think it's not had by, by a lot of coaches and, and for the clients. So that's a big ask to ask, you know, to, um, to say, as you know, right. For that client to hear, listen, it's gonna be a couple of years to kind of develop the skills you need to kind of make this work. It's like, oof, I don't know if I'm ready to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially with all the cultural discussions going on today around fitness and like you said, the attention economy and six week abs and yeah, it's, 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 it's very hard to have those conversations, but, um, worthwhile, but very hard. Oh, oh, for sure. And that's why I also, you know, we can go back to our previous episode, Robbie was it, uh, uh, on utilitarianism or, uh, the, yeah, I forget where it was. Yeah. Maybe you'll come up with it as I'm thinking about this, but, you know, and, and this is where uh, the, the argument always back to that from coaches or institutions is that you're taking this why thing way too seriously, you know, and here's all the data, James, on the changes in lives we've made and the people we've made less fat and the diseases we've prevented and the, uh, the, the what's happening on the street is totally different than what you think. You know, I mean, this is this is always the argument back, right? And it goes back to our point on what this utility constraint is in the conversation or thought process. It's fucking time, right? Like that's why I call it folly. Is it's like, I, like I say, I say in different words for now. Like that's working for you right now, right? Of this, you know, oh, I'm gaining attention. I'm being thermogenically, you know, exposed to this response. It's like, is that? Is that meaningful? Yes, it is, James. Like, what, what do you mean? We're getting people to move. People are happy. There's high fives. There's community. See what I'm saying? It all gets just lumped into one area. And that's why I end up in the word that's more over on the folly absurd end. Because if we just stretch that out, it's not successful. It's not successful in the overarching initial intentions, right? right? Which is to whatever. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't say whatever. I got to be more adamant on that. Is to teach people, right? To teach them you know, all the, all the fricking, here's the segue, teach them about all the play that's inside of this, all the opportunity for play and creativity and, and enjoyment. Okay. Parks. Parks. Future parks. That's what we, yeah. 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 I mean, you were, I mean, if I'm remembering correctly, you know, the future, something like the future ideal gym is something like a, weren't you saying something like a skate park? Like here, here are the opportunities and you go and all those things mixed together, like the old school. uh, Well, the issue with that is as as I was, uh, I keep track of uh, uh, the uh, Ospreys up in Coeur d'Alene. I watch them throughout the year um, and what they're up to because they have live cameras. Uh, My whole point meaning is that uh, to tie that one in, uh, we got to figure something out for the cold uh, locations though the northern climates for this uh non you know or i mean we could be super purist and be like well you know 
you weren't doing much in the winter times anyways, for many, many years, right? You're basically just sitting in and eating all your pickled foods and soups and stews and maybe doing push-ups in your home, but that was it. And then when the sun came out and you were able to go outside, you now have like three or four months of this opportunity. Uh, like a lot of those uh, nomadic individuals did, you know, over time. Right. that's a whole other area, but yeah. Or Wim Hof style and just get out there anyway. That's it. So I guess to connect up something that we've discussed before with what you were just saying, because I, I think that was a super helpful clarification of the enterprise, you know, you, you've mentioned before, and, you know, again, like, I think this is a useful example of the difference between what you might have to say on CNN versus like, if you have the conversation, but, um, you know, it's all folly, let's get on with it. Um, maybe we can amend that to a whole lot of it's folly. Mm -hmm. Let's try to ditch the stuff that's folly in favor of the stuff that's more meaningful. Something yeah, like that. It's, it's the uh, all that uh, that could be changed on CNN for sure. Okay. <laughs> but then I could just see the memes coming back of uh, Jim Carrey. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That'd be so amazing. Uh, you know, uh, and then note. I just reach into Anderson Cooper's heart and pull it out. That's basically how I finished that one off. Fatality. <laughs> Uh, so yesterday in, uh, in my, uh, programming, Brandon had thrown in, um, some incline dumbbell curls for me. And it was a video of you doing, you know, at, at OPEX HQ, these incline dumbbell curls. And I was just thinking to myself, just like you looking over and philosophically, like, this is so stupid. Why is anyone doing this? That was like the ultimate example of like, why would anyone bother doing? It? You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> really does look at our episode. Today. This is the, <laughs> this is what you're ultimately afraid of. <laughs> yeah. What you know? And People then are going to listen to this. They're going to understand it's all folly, and they're going to be doing bicep curls. Like this is stupid. It's going to yeah. take down the whole coaching atmosphere. Why am I doing this? <laughs> And then as I was doing the sets yesterday, I was like, yeah, each rep, I was like, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? <laughs> Just alternating each rep. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, another question I was thinking of that that's in here, but also something I was thinking of just as we were discussing it is, you know, if we're saying that this is all play or folly, um, and even when we go with a non-pejorative play, it raises this interesting question about like, is there such a thing as coaching play? There's coaching sports. Hmm. How do you coach purposelessness? Yeah. yeah. Uh, is the coach maybe someone who exposes you to different, you know, oh, gymnastics, right? You know, things that you yeah. might, you know, want to explore as modes of play. But it's this interesting question of like, yeah. how do you coach play? How do you coach yeah. purposelessness? Yeah. Um, I think I'm not going to deflect this one, but I think this that's the bulk of the questioning I'd like to have for the whole episode on play. Okay. Yeah, because there's a lot in there. Um, it comes back to your previous points, though, on deciding upon that, you know, the mind that we're speaking to, right? With these innate processes of someone, you know, zero to 18 versus 18 to 85, right? Um, or I should say zero to 27 and then 27 to 85. Um, yeah, because it depends upon who your audience is. Um, I think, you know, overall or generalizing it, um, you just to answer your question, 
you just jam on words around the benefits of creativity, the benefits of becoming creative, the benefits of creativity leading into autonomy, the benefits of creativity leading to you getting excited about innovation inside a movement and movement discovery. Um, and that, that's why I think I could offer that from my background knowledge on um, pedagogy and in skill acquisition and pedagogy and growth and development and pedagogy and motor control. Um, the play aspect is, is such a fascinating thing that I, I, I totally, the question is excellent. It's warranted because for adults that even has to be, you know, put together correctly because if it's not put together correctly, it will sure, sure as shit look like folly. It will sh it, like even, even more so, you know what I'm saying? It's probably even like putting gas on the whole thing. Right. Cause you know what, what air is inside there is like, well, it's just unknown. It's unknowable. <laughs> Anything goes. Right? It's like, eh, that's what I, that's what I, I don't want to, to use the previous term. Uh, I don't want uh, smuggled into that. So it has to be done effectively. Yeah. yeah exactly. What's your thoughts on that for what's your immediate ideas on play and purposeful purpose, purpose, less uh, ideas for the adult, I should say. Yeah. I mean, a few come to mind and yeah this is super interesting just even hearing what you're saying right now and just kind of bouncing off it but one is like well there are people who teach art so you know i mean that's you know if we're talking about the highest order of art there's no reason why there couldn't be you know teaching a purposeless activity that's one thought that comes to mind um another thought was you know maybe eventually on our deeper discussion on play this notion of like maybe by zero to 27, they've been exposed to strongman and gymnastics and they, they've had all these exposures. So that maybe the, you know, as you've said before, the, the coach isn't necessary in that regard, but in the interim, the coach can be a useful um, tool to, or useful um, resource to explore those different areas that you may, you yourself may not be familiar with. And like, Oh, I want to try handstand stuff, but I have no idea how to even go about it. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. And sure, you could flop over a bunch of times, but like having a, oh, maybe a progression or, you know what I mean? That, yeah. that can be useful. Um, so those are a couple of the yeah. things that come to mind. Yeah, solid. I, uh, you know, I like that. I uh, would also, let's, let's fall back for coaches listening. Let's fall back on principles too, right? So you want to have, a, a, um, just to ensure back to the question of like that the play won't turn into something that's not purposeful for adults. Um, we got to have an accurate assessment, you know, and there, of course, that's why I always start with the coach has to have the competency to, to be able to do an accurate assessment of, uh, cognitive capability, um, right. Adaptation speed, uh, what their physical capabilities are, uh, even maybe some heavier stuff on like, if I mention the word existence, like, do they know what that word means or do they, you know, it's like the, like the whole big project for them and where this kind of fits in, you got to get an assessment of that right prior to any of this intervention. Cause I think on the other end, there's so many then like pathways and, and streams and like designs, right. To get people, you know, excited about play and all the wonderful things that are on the other side of it. But I just don't think we, we take the time to kind of do that accurate assessment uh, to get people excited about that. Um, and see, you know, just ask some of the hard questions, right? Like, uh, which is, which is true, you know, sometimes happens, 
coaches can't handle this concept of autonomy because it actually is a real truthful thing that their client like will just not get it, like actually get it. What I mean by get it, like whatever you mean, whatever it is, get it. You, the material neurons firing or they just won't get it. So what do you do? My point is you don't just like give them anything. No, you got to give them the stepwise progress, right? Of that knowledge. So it gets downloaded and they can feed themselves and, and they start benefiting over time. Um, so that's, uh, anyways, we're getting, uh, not, I'm not, I'm not deflecting that either, but, uh, I'm just getting excited around the, the idea around our philosophical take on what play would mean and then add it into fitness because there's lots in there. There's lots in there for the, for the adult, especially, um, and there's lots of stuff that can get crammed in there. And I think you bring up the greatest point with your question is like, how do we ensure that it's not just use useless, right? When we do get into that playful endeavor and creativity, because remember, if you want to think about it, just for those who still not jamming on our words for play, as I was speaking about it, I could just imagine the coach listening in and thinking about that. It's like, to your point, you mentioned it, right? Like, I'd like to do handstand pushups. So well, how would I do that? See the, the, when you, when you get a good accurate assessment of people, you could, you could really figure out like in their life experiences. And it only takes a couple of questions, right? Like, what did you do when you were like 10 to 18 years of age, right? Well, what was your, you know, and cause you gotta remember that they may have developed an entire program. There's an example, you take a thousand people, they come into a micro gym and there's only 10 of them that look at the rope and actually say, now that would be fun to climb up and down. And there's 990 others, I kid you not, who are immediately threatened and they close the door to the motor programming that's inside of actually attempting that. So you can see how important it is. You and I are just like, oh, it's playful. It's not, it's, it's, not, it's not even in their repertoire for a concept of play. And so you can see this is where motor control and learning and skill development and, and uh, consolidation of, of skills is like a, a fascinating aspect inside of this uh, knowledge of play. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a super useful counterpoint, actually, to my original question. This is why discussion is helpful, because, you know, you might on the face of it say, well, how, how can you teach purposelessness um, in a certain sense? But then <clears throat> we think, well, if someone's going to play, like, there can't be any rules or progression. But it's like, no, no, of course. Like, think about someone who wants to eventually do art for joy. Like, you've got to learn the basics. You got you to have an assessment of where they're at. You know, you're not just going to throw someone into the critique of pure reason if they like want to get into philosophy. Like, you got to take the steps and, yes. and learn learn the routes. And then, uh, cooking it's the same thing. Like, maybe you need to learn the basics just to like get your meals done. But if you eventually want to have intrinsic joy, you've got to go from that stepwise fashion up. And similarly, with fitness, like, yeah, maybe a handstand walk or handstand push up or rope climb looks cool. But like, where are you at right now? You know, where's your strength to body weight ratio? What are your nutrition practices? And like let's get you on the bike a little bit and let's do some, uh, you know, chest elevated pushups or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and then we can get you to that, that part. So there can be the sense of like, even though we want to get to the intrinsic playful nature of it, like there's a use to progression and teaching and education and getting you on your way there. You can't just be like, Oh, I'm just going to try the rope climb every day, 10 times and like, see if it works. Yes. Uh, that yeah, it, it, yeah. it's got to be a little bit more formulated than that. Yeah, which is which. My point being is that ninety five percent of everyone thinks that's the method, and that's how it's sold, right? And then this is why the creeping shit that I'm having a problem with my own brain is the future holds people just with goggles on, actually thinking that they're going to do it. Like that. I mean, that takes a whole to a whole different area, but 
like to your to your question, I'm glad you answered in that way. It was someone asked the question like, why would we do it if it's purposeful? And then we could quickly say, because that's the overall goal. Now let me explain what I mean by that, right? Because then it takes them through the scientist into the artist, right? It's the whole pathway. It's the beautiful rendition of all these things that people have to go through. And again, and again this, is the, this is the point in the strength of conversation of reality, right? It's like, listen, you're not going to get that in two weeks, right? And then I don't know if it's maybe six months, but it's not two weeks. But can I get you somewhat inspired about the fact of just learning these things and downloading them and getting better at it? So eventually leads to that. And not only leads to that, but leads to that opening a doorway to a bunch of other things. And if you can get people excited for that, you got it. You got them licked. You're going you're gonna to change hundreds of people's lives by that. And I think something important in there as well, you know, as cliche as it sounds, but like even assuming you had someone who came in for an assessment and you could get them it in two weeks, like you, you don't get that artist or that intrinsic aspect without the journey. Yes. You know what I mean? Like without, without yeah. the like the trials and the failures and the other, like, so part of where you get to that level in cooking or art or philosophy is like, it doesn't just come in two weeks, no matter yeah, how you- bad you want it. Like it takes time. Yeah. Listen, we're just having a circle jam here. Um, I'm dancing around the fire. I'm, I'm metaphorically dancing around the fire, like hitting my drum, screaming like a banshee at the top of my lungs as you're saying that, right? Like I'm, listen, I'm down with that. That's the whole, that's the whole process, right? But here's the rub. You know, it's like the current institutions and the systems and whatnot, you know, the people coming in and the coaches and their true belief don't believe that that's a big, long-term, exciting journey. You know? Well, we're not going to be alive for it, but when there will be a time a hundred years in the future, when this is the fitness and philosophy is the call to prayer and uh, the, the, the views and principles that we've espoused in here are what people live by and guide their life. Oh. So we won't see it in our lifetime, but uh, it's like, it's like uh, David Hume, like he uh, is his famous treatise of human nature. He said it fell stillborn from the press. Like no one cared about it in his lifetime. And then, now he's like one of the greatest philosophers of all time. So yeah, the, that's <laughs> you know? funny. Uh, it's funny you mention him because I just read a a, a great quote. Um, gosh, let's see. Let's see if you remember this. Did I send it? Is it the be still a be still a man? No, his uh his oh it's the simplicity complexity thing that I sent you on. It was the same. It was in the same booklet. Uh, okay. Um, exercise and employment being the only two things, you know, so, something along the lines of exercise and employment being some of these really deep, meaningful things. Um, anyways, I just pick it on a David Hume com- okay. point. But yeah. Oh, fascinating. Good stuff. All right. Well, I think that was a good one. So uh, just to kind of recap what we talked about, this was the second part of a couplet kind of talking about existentialism as an overarching thing within philosophy. And we first talked about meaning and purpose and fitness in the last episode. And today we talked about folly and fitness. We talked initially about these different words and getting conceptual clarification on like, you know, they're all in one way or another involved with purposelessness, but one is more pejorative than another. One's more existential than another. How do they all relate to one another? Uh, these deeper questions within absurdity uh, and philosophy and absurdity in life about like, is it just a tale told by an idiot signifying nothing or does it mean something different? 
uh, we talked about how to distinguish folly from non-folly and then use that in our discussion of um, whether fitness itself is all folly. And I think we came to a very useful clarification that no, it is not all folly, but a whole large part of it is. Um, and then, you know, this question around like, if it is in fact play, what role can the coach play? Uh, or what, what role can the coach be in, um, you know, helping guiding people through that, that endeavor. So, yeah, great recap. Um, I'm appreciative of, uh, the ability for uh, me to clarify some of my points um, and to open my mind to creating better language and uh, also to take more time to think about like I did last time with the word significance uh, on this time it's uh, what is not folly to me and just do a little bit of my own personal uh, dive into that one so I appreciate it yeah, no problem. I appreciate the discussion thanks we'll see you next time I'll right, see you next time.